Hello, everyone. It's Jay here from Lads Talk Health, and this is our first podcast, which Harry will explain <laughs> what that is in a moment. And we are super privileged today. Actually, I forgot my bit. And as always, sending you loads of love and loads of kindness. We are super, super privileged today. I've been really excited. I've met this gentleman. Uh, I've been fortunate enough, enough to meet him twice in person. Harry had been telling me about him for months. He's just like a... Uh, it's like an angel himself. We were just talking about angels off camera. So today we've got a, a wonderful gentleman on by the name of Joe Hayes. And we're really, really, really looking forward. I, I this, is, this is very authentic because I, I've been so desperate to hear this man's backstory. He came to our live show and I loved it because afterwards he actually pulled me over and corrected me on a couple of things which I found amazing. Just the fact that he wanted to come up uh, and, and help better me, which stuck with me. And even the second show brought some evidence down to show me where I needed to make sure I was getting my information correct, which is what we're all about. And as to always checking. So I'm just going to shut up now and just get my notebook out and pad uh, and, and listen to the wonderful Mr. Joe Hayes. Well, that's a real setup, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Uh, well, I think to, to start back at the beginning, um, I, um, I was born in, in San Diego, in California, and uh, I came from a, a very loving family, Christian, but Christian fundamentalists. And I had many experiences when I was young that my religion or my parents couldn't answer. Um, I remember some of the first memories um, were waking up uh, and seeing myself asleep in bed and wondering how that happened, you know, and, and you become, you, you panic. Um, Mother used to come in and, and comfort me and say, well, it was only a dream, it'll get better. And, but it happened a number of times. And I thought, I wonder what this is. And, and I would think my religion could answer, but it couldn't. And so uh, also when I was young, I was being chased by something. I had no idea what it was. And Carl Jung would have had a field day with this because, uh, I just was frightened and I was just running in a dream, running away. But as you know, and probably many of your listeners know, if you're being chased by something in a dream, you can't hide. Um, you turn around and there they are, no matter where you are. And I just thought it was interesting because I couldn't run fast enough. And so in the dream, I was conscious enough to know that if I turn and run backwards, my thigh muscles are stronger than my calf muscles, and I should be able to get um, away quicker. And that didn't work. So I had to develop a technique. Um, and when I say I had to de develop a technique, I'm sure I was helped from above because I feel that, have, I feel that connection. I've had it from early childhood, and I've always... Um, I always respect it. But what I had to do in the dream was in America, we have outside the house, we have curbs, you know, that go into the street. So it's a little, you know, eight inch curb. So in the dream, I would run as fast as I can, lie down in the dream and roll off the curb. And what would happen is I'd roll out of bed and I'd wake myself up so I could wake myself up on my own. And um, I really wanted to, add, to find out what all this was about. And um, uh, I, we can talk about this later on, but um, I do remember being born and I remember being stuck in my mother's birth canal. And I remember coming out and I just felt lost. I didn't know what the world was. I felt uh, sensitive. I felt insecure. I just didn't know. I tried to fit in with everybody, you know, wear the, the right clothes and join the sporting events. And 
Um, I was small, so I couldn't do team sports. I but tennis and golf and swimming and surfing was my passion. So it, um, uh, I just couldn't fit in, and it made you feel very insecure. Like there's, you're not you're not part of the in crowd. So that was always there in the back of my um, psychology all through my life. But when I got into um, the esoteric side of things, uh, I wanted to study the Bible because I knew there was something in there, but I didn't know what it was. So I read the Bible twice. And each time I read it, I thought I believed in it less. I knew there was an essence that went through it, but I just could not believe my parents' um, perception that there is only one way. And if you don't accept the one way, you don't go to heaven. Uh, and I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get my head around that. And so I asked my, my parents one day, I said, what happens when you die and you go to heaven? And they said, well, you sing with the angels for all eternity. And I won't use the words that I thought because I, I don't think they were formulated in my head at the moment, but I just thought, that's not right. I can't do it. I just knew that there was an essence. And I started studying um, theosophy and the works of Rudolf Steiner, which was my entree into everything. And uh, I remember one day I went, um, I knew the, the dangers being a Christian. And we went to Sunday school uh, eight years, never missed one. But it was the same story all the time. And I thought there's just something there's just something that didn't hit right or that wasn't fulfilling me. And so I thought one day I woke up uh, from an experience and, you know, <clears throat> being born in the 60s or being brought up in the 60s. And there was so much drugs and, and free love and everything. And um, fortunately, because I had such a passion for surfing. Uh, it kept me out of that whole hippie movement, but I saw many of my friends and, and uh, people I had respected um, just blow themselves out with drugs. And I thought there's got to be an answer. You know, you look around, you think there's so many kids that need help and what do you do? So I remember one day I just stood in front of a mirror and I knew the, I knew the, the problem of saying thy will be done because you never know what to expect. But I said it was such intent and such passion and earnestness that I said, if I don't know what my purpose is, I want out. I can't, I can't do it. Um, and I said, thy will be done. And one thing led to another and we got, I got connected to various people and then, Finally, I met this amazing medical doctor who was a great humanitarian and um, moved over to England in 1976 and left family, religion, culture, everything, uh, and never looked back. So it was, a, it was an interesting start, but I, and I walked away with a suitcase and $500, and that was it. But it was, I followed my heart and it was the first time that I really listened to it because we all know, James and Harry, that we're born with the voice of the silence and that guides us. But we get uh, voices in our head from our parents. We get voices from our peers. We get voices from our religion and our culture and our background and our, you know, the, the whole thing. And it becomes like a... a chattering ram and so when you're trying to make a decision in life you you always have a voice that says oh I, I don't know if you should do that at the moment you're talking you out of it and the, the the strongest voice in my head and most people's heads are our parents uh, who tried to convince us of something that didn't work for them mm -hmm. but they and and uh, I just I just learned how to discriminate between the voice of the silence and the voice of, you know, my heart. 
and it's been a journey all this time and the synchronicities that happen in life are absolutely, they're the high five from the universe and everybody should watch them because it's the tiniest little things. And when we're grateful for something like that, thinking, oh, start small. Anybody can start small with a parking place. Well, it's the kids are out of school. I've got to go to the bank. Uh, I probably won't find a parking place. No, you will find a parking place. And all of a sudden somebody just pulls out and you pull in and it's gratitude and acknowledging that. And, and I always say, thank you very much, or I'm grateful for it because the more gratitude we express, the more we, and, and recognize that we are being guided and we are being helped. Um, the more help we get. So I'll stop there for the moment. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Joe. And can we go back literally to your birth? You said you remember being born. Yeah. Can you just can you just explain that? Because with these talks, this is what I think is so important is that. There's a lot of things that people have experienced in their life, which is so weird or out there. You think sometimes you're going mental and there's a lot of people that have gone through life and have never really knew that this is normality. And actually there's a lot more to life than what we know. Yeah. You've come into this world and you've already known that you're being born, which I don't think many people can share. Well, and we block things out. What's painful uh, we suppress and we don't always know um, the truth about something because it's it's locked in. Um, and um, the, the thing about the birth was I, I thought as I got older, um, 30s, 40s, and I remembered that I thought, well, maybe, you know, did it did I really did it really happen? And then I remember Dr. Joe Dispenza said something about when you have an experience in your early life and you talk about it in later life, it, it grows, it expands, and 50% and of it isn't even true. And I thought, well, that's an interesting thing. And I could identify with it because as I got into my 40s and 50s and people would ask me, oh, about surfing and did you know so-and-so and what was, um, <clears throat> oh, what was the biggest wave you ever surfed? I noticed that over the decades, the waves got bigger. No, I didn't surf those big waves, but in my head it's like, well, you know, we, we did. And so I thought, yes, I get that. You know, you elaborate because you, you have changed and, your situation has changed. A lot of people that, that uh, go to uh, are raised and go to a primary school in one country and then move to another country and think, oh gosh, we had this lovely school and a huge big ground and we played all the sports. And then they go back and visit it, visit, and they find it was a tiny little thing, but in their mind, it was huge. <laughs> but it was, um, uh, Yes, and it did, um, uh, it did create the thing about being confined to small places. Um, that's always been a, a, a difficult one. And I asked my mother in the mid 1990s, I said, what was my birth like? And she said, well, she said it took 18 hours to get you out. And I had a feeling you didn't want to come out. Now for my mother, a Christian fundamentalist, that was completely out of character, but it was exactly what I needed to hear. And it, it was, so that, that's about all I know. But I, I remember when the, um, um, what were those, um, uh, water beds that you used to lie in that would take away all your senses. Um, I can't remember the name at the moment, but um, well, you'd lie in this um, uh, warm water and you wouldn't have any senses. 
your, your eyes would be closed. You wouldn't hear anything. You wouldn't feel anything. And uh, God, I don't know why I can't remember the name of it, but you're, some of your listeners will know what they are. But uh, I could never do that because I didn't want to have all my senses closed off because I just thought I would I'd panic. And it's been a real s- struggle to, um, to, uh, to uh, include, not to overcome, but to encompass. That- I'd like to, uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I'd like to touch on something that really resonated with me uh, because it was so similar to my upbringing. And um, I'm sure after speaking with many people, um, in in the adult practice that we do especially with with the coaching is there's this fear of death that was imprinted and it was for me during sunday school i was like you i was forced to go to sunday school never missed it and i've i've said this recently i remember to this day i must have been about five or six years old where they, they, it was like, right, today at Sunday school, this is an important talk. This is the important one. And this is where they explained that if you didn't love Jesus Christ as your Lord in, and accept him as your Lord and Savior, yes. then you'd go to this place called hell. And then hell was described. And to this day, I remember sitting there thinking, oh, my God, just fear. You know, entire damnation for eternity, burning, wallowing in pain and screaming. And it just imprinted in children this in heaven all of a sudden became in heaven fear about a process which we all have to go through in life is Mm. death to be scared of. And then for me, for years, was gauging everything off I was doing all all that put me in hell and it's yeah when you spoke about it it just took me back straight to that conversation and just sitting there listening and just remembering it but you could hear a pin drop normally in Sunday school there's still a bit of noise this day there was no noise because everybody every little boy and girl in that room was petrified yes well that's how we're held back through fear isn't it Mm -hmm. and a lack of understanding I know when I read the bible and I got involved with a group of people that were studying it and studying it from a completely different, uh, more eclectic viewpoint. Um, and I do remember that uh, from my background that um, I was always taught that it was the fifth ecumenical council that took out the keys of reincarnation and karma from the Bible so that um, the church had the power to be able to say, to, to um, instruct you and to guide you. So you would always go to a person or the church or an institution to get your answers. Uh, and I thought, oh, hang on, this, you know, this isn't right. And um, one thing about the Bible for me, and it's just for me, um, there's only four, uh, there's two absolute statements in the Bible. And that is, in the beginning, God created, and that, those are the first words in Genesis, and the last words are in a coffin in Egypt, and that's the whole thing about the cycle of coming out from source and coming back, and then Exodus is all about the, 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 the path back again, but I remember that my teacher used to say, and I thought it was very interesting, that Um, Jacob was the first one, uh, up until the time of Jacob, people saw the angels ascending up to heaven. But Jacob was the one that saw the angels ascending and descending. In other words, the whole cycle. So uh, he objectified that in the 12, his 12 sons, which became the 12 signs of the Zodiac, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and that might be a bit of gobbledygook for a lot of people, uh, and it's difficult to explain. But for me, the, the, the keys were there, and I just knew that for something to last so long in every religion, that there's, got, there's an essence and a truth. 
And to me, that was really, um, you know, really important. But I know that when the concept of reincarnation destroyed my vision of heaven, that was about a six month period where I really went through um, a lot of stress because I thought, I don't want to come back. You know, I grew up with sort of blue eyed, blonde haired people, you know, surfers in, in Southern California. I don't want to come back as a, well, I won't use the words, but um, I, I wanted to come back and, and it has nothing to do with you. It's the soul that decides on you coming back and what you're going to be faced for its own growth. Um, so it was a real learning curve, but I think all of us, all of us have something in our past, all of your viewers, anybody that you come in contact with, they have something that they can identify with this. And often, if you don't have a family, if you don't find your spiritual family or someone that you can talk to that um, is, can throw a, a bit of light on some of your feelings, because especially as men, we're not supposed to feel, you know, we're not supposed to show our emotions. And I like nothing more than to listen to a lecture or go to a lecture and just the tears, when the tears just flow, I think that for me is when I feel more connected. I might have you, dropped. I might have dropped a, the thought off that, but I, I couldn't figure out where to take it after that. <laughs> now, mate, keep keep talking. You've got us uh, hooked at the moment. No. Well, can I just pick on a pick up on a couple of things you said because you've dropped so many bombs, and I just I, I just hope people and I say this completely soulfully, uh, you know, things resonate. I want to go back to one thing you just said because I think that's so so important i recently in our mem in our community membership me and harry we recently had a conversation about religion and it is a very sensitive subject to be for people and my disclaimer is i still i have the utmost respect for anybody who chooses to have a faith in like you said because all religions have this essence that runs through it of love your neighbor you know treat people how you want to be treated treat people with respect like yeah. for me these are all soulful essentials that are inherently put into us by the creator regardless of a book or any sort of labels however what they then do and this is where i liken religions religions for me are just an s a, a bigger tax-free political parties because yeah. that's what governmental parties do they'll bring a truth of this is why it's for the people and they'll have you buy into that truth however if you look at the source of of what their message is this truth is only for you if you follow us and if you don't follow us all these other lovely normal good people over here they all of a, uh, a sudden become the bad guys or in religion they all of a sudden go to hell because i couldn't understand why my nanny manion who was a catholic when she passed, and my granddad, uh, Manion, who were Catholics, when they passed, they're going to hell, apparently, because we're born-again Christians, and they believe in Mary as the mother of God, and they don't believe Jesus. Uh, and this is this is my issue with religion, and you, 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 know, you touched on it, and I, I just think that's massive for people, is you've got to realise how divisive that book that some bloke wrote, let's face it, I don't think the hand of God came down and wrote your, your Bible or your Quran or any other book. That was an interpretation of a man or a woman that have then chosen what bias they can put into that, what group. It's just a big gang mentality. And I say that, like I said, I'm not judging anyone. It's what I've experienced. If you're in my gang and you follow this book, you're okay. If you're in that gang and you follow that book, oh, yeah, the message is pretty much the same because I've read the Quran and I've read the Bible. There's not much difference. However, people will kill each other over so-called differences. Exactly, exactly. And that tells the anybody with common sense there's something not right. Mm -hmm. the, the, even the word religion, you know that we love our etymology and stuff, but it's rely on. 
if you break it down. So we're relying on an external force and not uh, ourselves. And another thing with words as well, uh, if God, or God does give free will, we all have a choice. We all do in each moment, which means we are God. But we've also, if God gives free will, then you wouldn't get punished for not then following free will because all of a sudden there's commandments that you have to follow. And also if God has created us, God would tell us what to do, what not to do, which is what the Ten Commandments are. Nine of the Ten Commandments tell you what not to do. As a coach, you never focus on the negative anyway. You always focus on what to do. Exactly. If you say, thou shall not steal, kill, all you're doing is manifesting these horrible words. Yes. Thou shall love, thou shall bring joy. Uh, we, we could change it. So for me, it's the coming back to our own feelings, our own experiences, and then the way that we put our own interpretation on it and we add our own labels to it. And, and, and it's being able to share that with people from a place of love rather than you're wrong because what you felt is definitely not what is really going on. And that's uh, sometimes the misconfusion within it as well. So you've been on, um, uh, I guess, throughout your journey, then you've been met with resistance. People closest to you obviously have uh, different views on things. And then you made that um you had that journey, that's not a journey. Yeah, and you had to, we, all three of us have had, and the listeners have had exactly the same thing. We've always had a, 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 an opportunity to move out and to change something uh, and uh, even unsupported. But when we listen to this inside, it makes such a difference. And I remember a couple, just a couple of experiences. I woke when I was a teenager, um, my grandparents moved into a, a house at the back of the garden, <clears throat> and I remember I, uh, I got up one night and uh, I walked into my parents' bedroom, and I said, I think you better go down. Uh, I think grandmother's just died. And they said, what? But anyway, my mother went down, and my grandmother had just died, and I got the I got a real bollocking. What are you doing out this time of night? I wasn't out this time of night. You know, I just knew that there was some, and I, uh, there were several events like that. And all of a sudden you think, I, I can't say anything because it's, it's not understood. Mm -hmm. I, I reckon everyone watching this call has had moments like that where you just want to be able to share and, and also just let it be heard and rather than be dismissed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's very it's just very difficult, but it's it's what creates our, you know, the more stress we've been under and the more pressures we've been under, uh, the the finer the polish of the diamond. Mm -hmm. And we don't always know that until we look, you know, until we look back. And I'd like to also pick up, because you've mentioned salt a couple of times, and that's something me and Harry have, have learned, especially over the last well, best part of 10 years, just how real that is. And you also, and I love the way you, and I'm not going to be able to verbatim how you described the ego, that, that chatter, that in, incessant noise of, of what's going on. However, that's focusing on the soul part. The stuff that you've experienced, no matter what anybody, and, and I, I, prior to my own experiences, I would listen to someone like you, Joe, prior to my own experience, because this is how egotistical humans are. And I'd go, that sounds nice, but yeah, don't believe it. You know, why? Because it's not happened to me. And because it's not my experience, like I can refute you having an experience. That's how egotistical I was. And I think in fairness, that goes for a lot of people. Now, when I listen to people like yourself, and I say this with the greatest respect, someone of as many years young as you, through my experience, people of your generation are so, so indoctrinated it, from my experience. I'm not generalizing everyone. This is just my life experience. Mm. So when hearing someone like yourself validate 
my own experiences, and I'm sure Harry and people that are watching it as well, the people that have had these experiences will know. And the thing is, those that are doubting it, you've all had these experiences too, like Joe said. You would have just said, though, oh, my gut. It was my something in my gut told me. Yeah, that. That's what we're talking about today. That's what we're calling with knowings as your soul. So your journey with your soul started very young. Okay. How would you how would you describe what your soul is and what it's capable of? The magic of the impossible. I would I would think. I mean the uh the whole idea of the soul or the higher self is an evolutionary unfoldment, isn't it? I mean, as we change, we have more understanding, and yet that's still, in comparison, it's so minuscule. But um, as far as the soul is concerned, it was, uh, I do remember one of the feelings I had after I had read the Bible and after I had realized that there is reincarnation, um, and I thought, I, I just did not know what to do. And I think I spent about six months where I thought, I don't know what to believe. My beliefs have been taken away from me. I don't know what to believe. But I do know one thing. If I act from my highest sense of good and do unto others as I would want them to do unto me, that's about the highest thing I know. And that's what I've always lived by. Because sometimes when you go through that threshold or you're standing on the cliff uh, and you have no idea where you're going, if you know that you've done the best you can, six months later, you might look back and you think, boy, I thought I was really, you know, hot and, and on it. And boy, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing. But as a human race, we have an amazing ability to adapt. And that is how we've survived for so long. And we've adapted, we've, we've, we've survived because we've looked after each other and we've been a family. Uh, and this is why the, the agenda is trying to separate all that. But when you find your, your family, your spiritual family, you just know it. And you know it because you would do anything for them. You would be there for them and they would do anything for you. And to me, that is just, that's unconditional love. And that's beautiful. I'm going to big uh, shout out to the community, actually, because this is where I got to meet Joe. And this community are uh, based in Hampshire, Dorset. Um, and we meet every Sunday at 10 o'clock in the park in Lyndhurst. And honestly, it's it's been, I said to James, coming back to the UK from Brazil, the one thing that I really took was the word community and what it actually meant and the power of when you have multiple people that all just want good out of life and good for each other. You get to hear these stories, but all, all of a sudden, if you're feeling down the dumps or if you feel like you're on your own and stuff, you ask one question and you're just literally supported with love, experience yeah. wisdom healing and then also this whole new education on, on how we can live our life in a good way and when i met you joe my mum actually this is the beauty of my community i'm going to community with my mum and dad that would have never happened four <laughs> or five years ago and my mum uh, saw joe and started talking and all i heard was oh yeah i've done some work with joe dispenser i've been on this um workshops and stuff and like I've got to talk to this guy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's 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 um, yes, it's it's an interesting journey. And when you when you look back, um, when we when I left the beach and I took some of the my surfing friends to this group and we met, we we realized that a lot of the spiritual teachers were old older and wouldn't be around so long. And so what we did is we started visiting different people. I don't know if you know who Krishnamurti is, but Krishnamurti was a young boy that C.W. Leadbeater and Annie Besant, the, the theosophist, um, brought 
out and groomed to be the, the next reappearance of the Christ. And he used to give lectures up in Berkeley. So we would get in an old surfing van and drive up to, uh, to Berkeley um, to listen and be in that environment. And the one thing that Krishnamurti said, which always got to me, and I thought it was, it, it, it just stayed with me. And he said, you don't, need, you don't need the books, you don't need the masters, you don't need anything. It's all within. And in the 60s, we knew it was all within, but how do you get there? And, and it was just, it was just a, a learning curve. At one point, I had no idea what I was going to do. And I thought, well, maybe I'd become a monk. So <laughs> a friend of mine <clears throat> went up to Encinitas to the uh, Yogananda Self-Realization Fellowship. And uh, we checked in for a, for a weekend. <clears throat> and the guy knew that we loved surfing. And he said, you know, if you two guys would spend as much time and energy on surfing as you, uh, on God, as you do on surfing, you'd be enlightened this lifetime. And Les and I, we, we, did, we did a meditation on the Friday. We did an all-day meditation on the Saturday. We stayed in the same room, but we couldn't speak. So we had to write little notes. Uh, we had no idea what we were doing. And Sunday morning, we got up and Self-Realization Fellowship is right on a cliff. And it's, it, it overlooks Swamis, which is a major surfing spot in Southern California. And we looked out the window and the waves were breaking. They were, they were big and they were breaking. And Les and I just looked at ourselves. We jumped out the window and we spent the whole day surfing. <clears throat> and to me, that being caught in the, in the middle of a wave, in the, in, the, in the curl of a wave, that silence, and, and having to be present, that was the closest to God that I'd ever been. And I thought, yes, I love it. Yeah, I love, love that. that. <laughs> love that. And uh, that, what you've explained, because my next question, you've sort of answered, I'm going to ask, ask it again anyway, which was, how do you find God? And you mentioned meditation. And then you mentioned that story of being in that wave. And this is something me and Harry say, especially for blokes. Harry got me into meditation. He drove me bonkers. He kept telling me, you need to meditate. And I kept trying. And, and in my egotistical mind, nothing was happening. I was trying every single day. Nothing was happening until one day something happened, uh, basically. But, but what we now try and explain to people, and I realize is, is, you, you're, when, whatever it is that you love doing in your life, reading, painting, cooking, playing golf, surfing, whatever it is you're doing where you lose track of that concept of time, which is just a man-made concept, and you go, oh my God, where did the day go? That is meditation. That exactly. is finding salt, no? That, that is so true. That is spot on. And I remember when um, I keep quoting Joe Dispenza because that, he changed my life completely um, after the doctor died. And I, I had set up this charity for young people to help them find their purpose and their, because everybody's got a story, but you, you know, and there are not very many good listening ears out there. Um, and uh, I went to um, someone who had switched me on to Joe Dispenza. Uh, uh, and I had a question. Uh, I wanted to know, when you give when you're grateful for something that hasn't happened yet how does that work and it was my friend david hamilton the author that said uh you need to go to listen to uh, ask joe dispenza that question about gratitude because i asked the question because i had lost something and i looked absolutely everywhere for it and I got up the following morning and I just said, I, you know, I'm so grateful for the day. Thank you very much for it, 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 all the experiences. It's amazing. And I, I found it within about five minutes. So I wanted to know what the importance of gratitude. So when I went to 
uh, one of Joe Dispenza's lectures. Um, and I heard about him initially because he had been in a tri triathlon in Palm Springs and a, an SUV traveling 55 miles an hour ran into the back of him, crushed his spine completely, neck, everything. And they said, you will not, um, they were going to do a, um, a, a bone graph. They said, uh, you'll be in a wheelchair. And he said, um, he consulted with all of his friends and uh, he just said, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I know whatever created the body can heal the body. So he spent uh, time visualizing, and this goes back to what you were saying, James, about meditation and, vis and visualization. He visualized rebuilding his spine because he was a chiropractor um, from, and he had an office in La Jolla right above an area where we used to go surfing all the time. So there was that, that entangled virtual uh, wisp. Uh, uh, but he, he said he spent, he would start to rebuild his spine and he would start at the base. And just as he would complete one and start to build the second one, he would have this voice in his head saying, you won't do it. You know, everybody around them, the, their voices, it would encroach. And he would say, no, I can't. It took him six weeks before he actually recreated in his own mind, his complete spine. And when he did that, he got a tingle. He got a twitch. And 10 weeks later, he was back walking. 12 weeks later, he was back working on uh, working out at the gym. And he says, I'm going to devote my life to helping people know that they have all of this within. And the meditation is important. However, a lesson that I've learned only a few years ago when I was talking about visualization and meditation to a couple of people, they said, I can't meditate. And I said, it was so important. And then I realized my saying that was putting pressure on them to do something that they didn't feel comfortable in doing. So I was actually creating the opposite scenario from what I, I, what I wanted, you know, to be able to help. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know, when I heard Dispenza, and I keep quoting him you know, because we've become good friends. And, <laughs> uh, and because he's a living legend. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and he loves Lads Talk Health. <laughs> yes, that's right, that's right. Oh, yes. Uh, but it was, um, I just said, um, uh, the, the fact that if you, uh, or he had said, when you become um, just aware of your thoughts and bring them back to center again. So all of a sudden, if you have a fantasy or a daydream or somebody has triggered you and you find yourself talking in your mind to that person uh, and it's getting you stressed, knowing that you can pull yourself back and saying, this isn't me, you know, I want to be, I want to be centered, etc. You might have to do it constantly. And Dispenza said, that's meditation. So it's not just sitting in a lotus position or doing deep breathings, it's being conscious of your thinking, because we know that the mind is the slayer of the real, and we've got something like how many thousand thoughts a day and most of them are based on the past rather than on the future or whether on the present not so much the future but rather the present and this is why visualization is for me is so important because we can visualize and create a vision board of what we want the kind of life we wanted and you two are perfect examples of exactly that you know, you've, you, you've had uh, different backgrounds, but look where things are at the moment. I mean, it's amazing. And the first thing that you want to do when you, when you get a bit of integration is you want to share it. You can't mm -hmm. help it. Mm -hmm. that, that is, go on, go on, Heather. I was going to say just um, what you said about Joe Dispenza's work and 
this is what we are all capable of. And Joe's been around this side of things of how the body works, spirituality for years. And these are happening more and more now. The information is a lot more accessible for everyone. And there's a lot more people able to share these experiences personally. Joe, just with on that though, you have been on many courses, many mentors, many teachers, et cetera, over the years, and you've had your own experiences. This is still not mainstream for people. And has that been a question in the back of your head as well? Why is it not out there for more people? Because it would change the world if we knew how to focus on our own health and our own happiness. But we're all at different stages, aren't we? I mean, if you look at the atoms in the physical body, you know, we've got um, we've got negative, you know, we've got um, uh, good cells and we've got bad cells. If we, if you, that's not saying it correctly, but you know what I mean. Uh, but it's all part of the physical body, um, and all of these, what we're, what everybody's going through now, is exactly what they need to go through now. And even though we might want to be shouting it from the rooftops, there are many people that are shouting it from the rooftops. But I love that whole concept of Ho'oponopono, knowing that everything on the outside that you experience is you. It's part of you. And so it's how you react to it and, and how your, your um, uh, yes, just how you react to it. And I um, did that. Was that a waffle, or did that? Uh... No, no, it was a good. It was a good answer. And and on your journey, then I'm guessing you're manifesting certain people into your life, and now all of a sudden the right teacher comes at the right time. And I'm guessing you've had. It, it has been absolutely magical. When I was when I was um, with a group in San Diego. And we were, um, I wasn't working, so I started making crafts. And at that time, you could go around to the different shops and sell your wares. But one of my customers, um, I did, uh, I had studied Steiner's biodynamic gardening. And so one of my customers was an osteopath. Uh, but he was also a homeopath, but he couldn't use that um, uh, overtly because it, he would have been arrested. Uh, you can only operate under one. But he mentioned to me, he knew I was interested in a lot of this stuff. And he mentioned to me, he says, you know, you might be interested in this doctor that's uh, uh, giving a lecture tomorrow night uh, with a group of doctors, uh, if you want to come along. So I said, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And I went and I didn't understand, it was all legal, it was all medical ease. And I didn't understand a word. They were all doctors except me. And I said, who is this guy? You know, he said, well, you may be interested tomorrow night because he's giving a lecture at the Holiday Inn on out-of-body experience and astral projection. And I went. And in a half hour, he answered every question that I had ever had. My religion didn't answer. The philosophy I studied at university didn't answer. Nothing answered it. And in a half hour, and I remember saying, I want that. I want that. I didn't think I could be uh, a leader because I didn't have the background, but I could be a hell of a support and working eight hours a day, five days a week. Uh, and what do you do after university? Well, you go to the beach. You know, there's nothing else to do. Uh, it was absolute. It was real hell. But I knew I could work 18 hours a day, seven days a week, if I found my passion. And when I came to England and started, uh, was connected with him, uh, I've been doing that ever since. And it is an absolute blessing to wake up in the morning, to know that you have a purpose, you're being looked after, you're meeting these incredible people. How do they come into your life? Well, you draw them. Uh, and this is why our community on Stand in the Park is absolutely extraordinary. You know, you've got people like you and AJ and James and, and Steve that are going out there and reaching the public and knowing what's going on in the background and sharing it with the people that sort of turn a blind eye to everything or 
are taken in by the agenda. And um, it's just it's just extraordinary. And that is the that is open to every single person. We all have a story, we all have a mission, we all have a gift. And by opening up to that, we find our gift through other people initially, but it's just, you love it and you, 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 um, you respect it. That's what I found. And it's empirical knowledge. James, you were talking before about, um, you know, when you, when you have, um, I know I have a couple of friends that um, uh, had cancer and they went the vegan route. Anyway, they overcame it. Now for them, that works. It may not work for other people, um, but that, and that is called empirical knowledge. Your, both of you, your knowledge is empirical knowledge as well. And nobody can take that away from you. You know it works. And that's, that is real. You don't have to have a scientific degree. You don't have to have a university, you know, diploma. Um, if, if it's empirical knowledge, you just know that it works and you will stand on the gallows uh, as many people have done for their belief. Love that. I love the way you tied that in because that, that's the truth. Everything that Joe has spoken about today and everything that Joe Dispenza speaks about, everything anybody hears, anyone speak about that sounds miraculous. The truth is, like Joe just said, you haven't got to be book smart for any of this stuff. This stuff goes back to source. It's all an inherent remembering of, of who you are and what you are. And it's really interesting, actually. So uh, shout out to our lovely community members. Uh, we, I had a breathing session with them this morning. And yesterday, I was very privileged to speak to a gentleman who's been told he's only got a certain amount of time to live. And it's what's been really nice about mine and Harry's journey with dealing with the beauty, the absolute beauty in that label. We'll call it death. That's not how we view it, but that's how people recognize it. I'd, I'd prefer to see it as a moving on. Um, but because of gaining confidence, I was able to ask that man. We've, and this is what I asked our community members this morning. Three questions. First and foremost, what makes you special? You. The individual, not the roles that you play, not the mum, not because you're a mum, because you're, you've got kids, or you, the individual. And then secondly is, why do you deserve to live? Ask yourself that. Why do I deserve to live? And then the third question is, what do I give back to humanity? And for me, the beauty now is the knowing and the answer to all three of them questions is yourself. That's yeah. it. You just be you. That's what makes you special. Why do you deserve to live? Well, because you're you. And there's only one of you, so you definitely deserve to live. And what do you give back? Your best self. And that is what, for me, when you saw that, I want some of that, it was the feelings in you, the interpretation of the information of however it came. It was your inner feelings that went, oh, I feel that. Why? Because something, a feeling for me is memories. It's, it's a universal gift from the creator of that's always there. That's the imprinted Ten Commandments that you don't need the book for. It's your feelings. And that, for me, is what draws this all together and why in the community there's so many diverse backgrounds and cultures and start-offs in life is because it does all of that is labels. What everybody realizes is, actually, I'm okay being me, and that is my spiritual awakening. Let's start from there. And part of the perception that is ingrained in us is that we're not enough. You know, we compare ourselves to other people. And we think, well, I don't have all that much to offer, you know, um, but you do know when you do something that's right, how you feel and you feel good. You don't do it to feel good. You do it as a result of what you have just done. Or, or, when, you, or when you don't do it, you get a big soul slap to say you should have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's right. 
I remember I was in uh, uh, I was in Tesco's last year, and uh, uh, I was at the front door, and I was getting a basket or getting a, a trolley, and a woman behind me. Uh, I, so I pulled the trolley and I said, oh, here, take this. I'll get the next one. And she said, oh, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Didn't think anything about it. It was just a natural thing to do. So I walk in the store and I go to the little place where you type in your, or you put in your, your um, Tesco's card. And I couldn't, mine didn't work. So I was just about to turn to this woman uh, and asked, I said, could you, and say, you know, can you help me figure out how to do this? Uh, and she turned to me and she said, you know, she said, what you did out there made my day. She said, I have had a really shit day. And that was so kind. And I just said, well, you know, pay it forward. I didn't even think anything about it. You know, it just seemed like the right thing. And yet, you know, when you do the right thing, it can affect somebody. Uh, it can be a massive thing. And there was another time I walked in, there was a five pound note on the floor. So I picked the five pound note on the floor and I thought, right now, I, my default says, I know if I hand this to one of the, the uh, employees, they'll probably keep it because that's what sometimes you do. So I waited around until I found somebody and then I handed it. Then I get a tap on the shoulder and it was a couple standing there and they said, uh, we saw what you just did. I can't believe that. I thought I was the only one that would do something like that. And I just said, well, it was just the right thing to do, wasn't it? And they said, yeah, I'm not saying that to impress you. I'm saying that to impress upon you the fact that when we do the right thing, something happens. Mm -hmm. So I'm when when the uh, when the five million is on the floor, then I might think, no, I still have to return this. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're right. It's the ripple effect. It's the ripple effect, and that's little things that I'm trying to imprint on my son. We go to the baker's, we we'll leave a five pound, and say, can the next person that come in, can you treat them to a cake? or whatever else nice. and we've stood outside and we've watched someone go in and my son's watched their food window and they've seen their face that just that that beautiful really that moment of where they feel the kindness of of someone that they've never met like you said it's just something that they've felt and it's a gift to them and funnily enough for those that doubt this stuff that feeling of kindness and that instant impact it has on the person. Think the last time someone done something selfless for you, just selflessly kind. Remember that feeling? Well, guess what? Your body goes, have some really good helpful chemicals along the way here yeah. just to reward you for feeling kind in yourself. Yes. Let me perform better for you. You know, it's, it is, we've got neuropeptides that are controlled by emotions in our system. So again, for those that need science and numbers and are struggling with the so-called woo-woo, everything about spirituality actually drives all of your numbers that you need to quantify and whatnot anyway. It all comes from in, inside, all of it. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's just, it's, a, it's an absolutely lovely journey and it's not the goal that we're in the future it is the journey and that's that's the important thing you know how we are every day and every day gets better and better and better mm -hmm. we all all have the ups and downs that's just life and sometimes i think that's why journaling and writing in a, in a diary is so important because the times when things are you're up and the synchronicities are happening and you think, oh gosh, I've just, doors are opening. And then you, you, you journal that, you make just some bullet points. And then at those times when you're depressed or you're down and you also make your notes, you know, I feel like absolute hell, you know, I just don't know what, I've got no direction. I don't know what I'm doing. I just feel lost. And then you go back and you read the fact that when you were up, it was only a couple of days. And when you were down, it was only a couple of days. But when you're in the middle of it, it's like, mm -hmm. it's the whole world. 
and this is why it's so important to have people like your what you do both of you what you do and what people on the uh, uh bolden's bench stand in the park you know they're all uh they're just lovely lovely people as we all are and this is why for me there isn't us and them uh there isn't the people that have had and this and all that it's we're all just one entangled body yeah, and, we, and we need to learn from the dogs who always love the owner no matter what they look like or what they do <laughs> yeah. if they change change the the dog around and, yeah. and it gives you it gives you god yeah, we just need that. That. No, that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we could talk to you all day and i think there's a number of shows because there's there's loads of where we're heading technologies and and different workshops you've been on for today's call is there anything that you would like to leave you said every day is getting better and better and and that's obviously how we perceive life is there any recommendations or wisdom that you would share with people to start really stepping into their own journey now and, and start experiencing life the way that we all know that it 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 is the amazing part to it i think one of the things is just to be aware that we are being so helped from other dimensions and other worlds and we all have a personal soul we all have a personal higher self we all have somebody that's looking after us and the more that we acknowledge that and begin to set up a language of communication between us and that higher self sometimes we can just feel it you know we ask a, a question and and all you, you get a you get a a, a a tingle down the spine or you have an idea and you get a tingle down the spine and one thing i've only learned in the last couple of years is whenever that idea has a tingle it's got a life so even though there might be a time when you think, well, I'll, I'll give all that up, it's, it has a life because it started with a tingle. And when people talk, sometimes that, that tingle, you, you just know it. But I think knowing that we all have uh, an, something to offer and we all have a journey and we all have a family and it's getting connected with that spiritual family that makes such a difference. And being able to share our experiences and you find that sometimes you can you, you try to share it with somebody and it doesn't work but there are many doors and sometimes you open a door and you think no i don't want to go down that way or the door handle is hot or you go in and you look around and you listen to what they have to say for a while and then you think yeah i've had enough and you go on to the next one but it's a constant growth isn't it and we're getting younger all the time. That's the important thing, especially for people who are over a, a young age of 50 who say, well, you know, now that I've turned this, I think, God almighty, you know, uh, I don't feel that at all. 50, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s are kids as far as I'm concerned. But we, won't, <laughs> we won't go down that route. <laughs> Honestly, Joe, it's been an absolute pleasure. And if you don't mind, I'd like, with, with just titling this one, there's not even a part one, just an introduction to Joe Hayes. And then there's many parts to come because there's so much more that we'd love to pick your brains on. So many more subjects. So It would, yeah. be, it would be really interesting to have your, your audience um, uh, include comments and include um, their experiences and um, uh, or questions. I think that would be really, uh, really meaningful because it opens the door, doesn't it? And everybody's got a gift. Definitely. And it's the engagement that, yeah, that, that's what we want from people. And that's, and that's, the beauty that's the message of lads talk health this isn't one of them sort of messiah complex platforms where you come and listen to us talk not at all what we want we want everybody to just like you said realize that actually their gift first and foremost is their voice yeah. what you have to say is a gift to humanity what you feel is important 
Yeah. You've got the right to express. So, yeah, we definitely want, when this gets posted up, as many questions from people. Ask Joe, you know, uh, how many years young are you, Joe? How many what? Years young are you? I've lived 80 summers. 80 summers. So there's 80 summers worth of questions that I'm sure you can pull out for Joe. So please, please, when this goes up, and uh, we definitely would like to follow up with Joe within a couple of weeks for sure. Um, so yeah, Joe, thank you so much. Well, thank uh, you both today. so much. I mean, that's uh, that's a real that's a real honor. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Joe. And it's we're both grateful to have had you now in, introduced to our lives, and uh, we're excited about the journey where we're all going forward as well. And uh, I'll see you, Joe. In I'm over in uh, on the. Uh, 13th of July for a couple of weeks so can't wait to, to share energy with you again physically that, that's great just keep me posted and I'll be there <laughs> love you all thank you so much okay. see you everyone thank you Joe thank you see you people right.